the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here. It's the Pro-America Report. Thank you for watching on Periscope. We appreciate you being on there and uh, tuning in. And if you're listening, of course, on the radio program, thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. Obviously, a lot goes on. I always find it difficult to have three, you know, almost three days away. Uh, but here we are. So it's Ed Martin. And don't forget, you can go to edmartinlive.com. People are uh, checking that out there. You can get on my email list. You'll get the email there. You can get this show as a podcast we reset it over there at uh, edmartinlive.com and uh, appreciate you doing that we got an interesting show uh, interesting week one of the topics i think that's going to become the bursting into our uh, our uh, political uh, limelight is uh, roger stone and general flynn uh, we'll talk about that in a minute i mentioned uh, earlier on the periscope a lot of folks over the weekend that were sending me their prayer intentions and were interested in what was happening pray and i put in there pray for firefighters because if again if you're watching on periscope i put a picture of my brother. My brother's a decorated Marine who fought over in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's a super guy, unbelievable hero, and now he's a firefighter. And as we, you know, our firefighters, EMS, uh, uh, technicians, everybody that's from a hospital to a grocery store to our truckers, they're on the front line. If you've had to decide, or not even decide, but been because of your work, you know, pushed right to the front lines of this, you're exposed and your family's exposed and also we thank them and we pray for them and that's why that was on there. And we will get in a minute. If you didn't see over the weekend nancy pelosi got caught lying there's nothing like being nancy pelosi when you wake up in the morning you lie when you go to bed you lie down and in between you get caught lying and it's shameless now she's an 80 year old woman and I kind of think to myself, well, at a certain point, you know, she's an 80-year-old woman. You know, we, don't, we don't go hard on our elders. On the other hand, she's the leader of the Democrat Party that is doing nothing to help us, it seems to me. So we'll talk about her later on in the program, uh, and I uh, appreciate it. But now, what do you need to know? What do you need to know today? And I let off this week. I wasn't sure about it. I was thinking about this, but I thought there's so many topics. I was going to talk to you about China, the importance of China. I was going to talk to you about uh, some of what I thought uh, was happening with the restart. I call at the great pause we've been in the great pause now we're going to go towards the restart uh, and i thought well i'll put that aside we got a lot of time to talk about that and and uh, later on uh in the program uh we're going to talk with josh phillip uh who is from the epic times he's got a documentary on china and epic times and josh and others have been so strong so we'll get an update on china but what do you need to know today what you need to know today is it's time to free general flynn and it's time to liberate Roger Stone. And I put them both together, but I want to tell you something broader. It's very important for us in the grassroots to know this and the people that care. You know, we're not we're not in the we're not in the uh, we're not in the ones that are the ivory tower. We're not the elites. It's the grassroots across this country. that are banded together. We demand from our country better. We the people want more. But here's the thing. There are a set of people who are political prisoners in this country. 
And there's a there's a handful of them I could tick off. One of them is uh, uh, former Congressman Stockman, who is in Texas in prison for like 10 years for basically filing his financial uh, disclosures wrong. I mean, Richard Burr, the senator in the Senate now was selling stocks on insider trading. He's getting he's getting awards from his colleagues. And and Stockman was in, in is in prison. You know why? Because he crossed Lois Lerner and the Obama IRS Stockman. Congressman Stockman was one of the leaders on that. Here's what I want you to know. There are political prisoners in this country and the president of the United States is going to do the right thing. I'm going to tell you why he's going to do the right thing. But you and I and others need to get ready for it. We need to be articulate about it. We need to defend the decisions because there are political prisoners since the president won election. There was a targeted effort. I'll start with General Flynn to make General Flynn and take him down to damage the president. There was a clear, you remember Comey saying with a ha 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 as he's doing a book deal that he made millions for. He said, well, in another White House with presidents that were more experienced, see, meaning swamp monsters, with people that knew the game, meaning swamp monsters, Comey said, well, we wouldn't have sent over FBI agents to, to, uh, to question General Flynn. General Flynn, instead of, General Flynn's mistake was being honorable. General Flynn's mistake was not realizing that there were treacherous treasonous traitors in his midst and that comey when he admitted on his book tour five million dollars i think he made ten million dollars i don't know comey's happily ensconced in his in his suburban swamp monster home counting his money and he said i sent over those fbi just because they didn't know better that we were setting them up that's exactly right General Flynn was not a politician. Donald Trump was not a politician. And here they were, and they were set up. And then here's where the swamp continues. There's a political prisoner. Your health, your, your family is threatened. Your, your livelihood is crushed. You lose your job. You lose your, your, you have to start paying lawyers. You get swampy lawyers that play all sorts of games. That's what happened. And no one would intervene. No one would stop this insanity. And no one did. And President Trump must stop it. He must free General Flynn. It has to happen. It's the right thing. We the people demand it. We're going to see it, by the way. I'll tell you why after this. The second one is Roger Stone. Roger Stone's the main conviction that he got of a trial that looks like a kangaroo court where the jury foreman is is sending tweets out against Roger Stone. And she's an active anti-Trumper who's working against him. And she's sending tweets out. And he can't even get a new trial. The judge won't even look at it. Roger Stone. And he's convicted effectively of lying to Congress about their lies. In other words, he didn't play ball. He didn't go along with it. He didn't get a swampy lawyer who said, here's how you play ball. Roger Stone said, I am going to fight the coup every way I can. Those are two of the political prisoners we have. Those are two. And they've been in the system, in our own system. And by the way, they're not the lawyers and everyone working on it are not only Obama appointees. They're they're swamp monsters, swamp creatures in the Department of Justice staying there all this time. But my point is this. Our government has been used against us and been targeting people that don't play along. It's been targeting people that won't roll over and give in to the system. That's what happens. They test you out. If they see you're not controllable, they try to take you out. They started with Flynn. They continued with Stone and the Mueller investigation. They tried with impeachment. They're trying, they're trying, they're trying. And their goal is Trump, but it's not really. The goal is you and me. The goal is for we, the people. They don't want us to have a say. Sit back, little people. 
I remember, you know, uh, Ben Carson's got a great way of talking. If you ever hear him uh, when he gives speeches, he's a wonderfully charismatic man for lots of reasons that have to. He's kind of a natural storyteller. And I remember he would do this gesture with his hand and he'd say, they patted me on the head and said, you know, go along, little fella. You know, that was a kind of gesture. And he does it with such style that you can almost picture. If you know Ben Carson, have seen him speak, he kind of does this gesture. It's, it's amazing. That's what they want us to do. And if we won't go along, little fellas and little girls and boys, go back to where we were and go back and take the medicine that they've given us if we won't do that you know what they'll do they'll crush us they'll crush us they don't mind they don't care it's what they do so listen here's the here but here's what i want to tell you that i i I sense i've got a little bit of i've got some uh sourcing on this but not enough to say it's a story yet i'm just going to give you my general context my general uh, 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 feeling on this is that um attorney general Barr and uh durham this uh, uh um uh u.s attorney up in connecticut that they're moving along that they're moving along with their investigation and that there's more there there than we know. I don't know if there'll be indictments, but, you know, they're looking into Brennan and Clapper and all. And they're now seeing that the FISA system was broken. The FBI was misusing the process. Comey was not being up front. It, it, it goes right up to Susan Rice. That was who was the ringleader in the White House. And I'm sure of that in the Obama White House. I mean, in some form, they were unmasking all these people. Remember that trick they were doing in the last the election is lost in early November. And in the two and a half months before. Before they leave and, and you know, under under the, uh, uh, what was it, the Clinton administration, the Clinton people took the W's off the keyboards to mess with the George W. Bush people. Uh, the Obama people were much more sinister. They spent the last two and a half months, they turned a lot of jobs into career jobs so people couldn't get fired. I know that for a fact from the uh, State Department. And then they also went back and they were, they were unmasking people. And they were sending these around and leaking to the press. I'm telling you this, the shoe is about to drop on Brennan and Clapper and some others. May not be indictments, I don't know, but it will be the truth and it will be damning. And here's the key. It will give the president the timing, in my opinion, to go ahead and free the political prisoners. He needs to do that. It's time to do that. We, the people, demand that. And what you need to know is that we have to be part of that. I, when I put this up on social media, when I put this message up over the weekend, you see a huge number of people that retweet it, that have comments on it. And, the, and some people want to debate this and that and the other thing about who did what and when did they do it. I don't care. I don't care. You know, I've been listening to a uh, I've been reading a historical novel about the uh, uh, resistance in France. When you're at war, the rules change. And, and we are seeing the rules that have changed on us because they're at war with us. This, I'm talking about the deep state. I'm talking about the people that tried to take out the president. And we have to understand that. I think the president does. So it's going to be a big week. All right. That's what you need to know. I will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Now, you've heard me talking a lot, of course, recently about the problem of, of the communists in China, uh, the regime in China and what they've done and how uh, there's no turning back now. We've sort of we've hit a tipping point. The good news is we hit a tipping point where the uh, I think American people have joined a lot of us that have been raising some concerns for a long time. And one of those gentlemen who has uh, been a uh, I'd say a leader in talking the truth is uh, Joshua Phillip, who is at the Epic Times and uh, recently the interesting thing he's been a great reporter on a lot of subjects uh but recently did a a documentary which i recommend wholeheartedly to folks and it's called the origin of wuhan coronavirus and the tag the below that this sort of subtitle is the first documentary ever to explain the hidden truth behind the global pandemic so first of all welcome back to the program joshua how are you 
It's a real pleasure being back and doing well also. Thank you. Well, so let me first of all ask you, uh, when you watch this, you know, the Epic Times is, of course, based here in the, in the United States, theepictimes.com. And, uh, and when you did, you, how early were you all aware that something was afoot? I mean, were you did, did and maybe did you have sources in China that were telling you, hey, this is a problem bigger than people know? Well, you know, the Epoch Times back 2002, 2003, we were, we were uh, us and our sister media entity, we actually blew the whistle on the whole SARS cover-up. You know, we, we've been mm-hmm. at the forefront of a lot of emerging human rights abuses, notably like uh, organ harvesting, uh, the Chinese Communist Party using prisoners of conscience for, for live organ harvesting. Uh, and so just over the years, we've, we've known how the Chinese Communist Party operates. We know how it covers things up, and we know typically how to dig into these things and uncover what's really going on. And so, yes, when we saw that the Chinese Communist Party was locking down Wuhan and there were rumors of these uh, different virus outbreaks spreading among the Chinese social media, uh, we knew it was something worth looking into. Now, how, I mean, this is a kind of crazy question, but I, I mean, and you can answer me like a journalist, but how badly are they lying? In other words, how badly is the Chinese regime lying about the numbers, really? Let's put it this way. Information for the Chinese regime is only meant to serve the Chinese regime. If it, if it is something right. they believe will harm the regime, they're not going to report it. And so it's, at this point, it's likely that even the Communist Party heads don't even know what the death count is in China. Because the way they've handled this, local officials are afraid to report the numbers because they will be punished if they report the numbers. So they want to save face. They want to make it look like they're governing their local districts well, and they're not telling people what the numbers are. Uh, and so, um, so we know they're off. I mean, I guess I'm, I, that's a, that's a good way to say that. And again, we're talking with Joshua Phillip and, uh, uh, the epoch times.com where you can see his writing a lot. And we'll talk in just a minute. We'll move over to this uh, documentary, uh, that, that you've, uh, produced. It's about a little bit less than an hour. It's very good. But, um, but you just said something that's helpful. Uh, the Chinese regime thinks of information as just serving the regime. There's not, there's no debate about truth, but so what is the truth? Do you think, does anybody have a sense? I mean, we're watching in America, unfortunately, Oh, no, fortunately, but it, it, we can't lie. So the death toll is ticking up and we all see it and feel it every day. And, and, and there's no real hiding from it. In fact, maybe we're reporting even more than we need to. But what's the re, what's your sense of the real truth about uh, especially Wuhan and the area around it in China? Um, the indicators suggest it could be in the millions. Uh, we did break a story noting that there were 21 million uh, fewer cell phone accounts in China. And in China, of right. course, it doesn't mean that 21 million died per se, but it is, a, it is an indicator. In China, you can't just get rid of your cell phone number. Your cell phone number is tied to your bank account. It's tied to your social security number. And right now, where they have this virus, it's also tied to your health code. If you have a green health code, you can travel around. If you have a red health code, you have to stay in quarantine. And so you can't just get rid of your cell phone account. Now, of course, same time last year and previously, the numbers of accounts were rising during this time, not falling. And they were on the rise, mm. not on the decline. People could argue, well, maybe it was people who had multiple accounts. But because kids are now staying home from school and they're doing remote learning, they need cell phone accounts to join the school classes. So you would think, too, mm-hmm. that people who didn't have an extra cell phone would need, need an additional one for their kids. 21 million fewer uh, just wiped out suddenly. And so something's going on. Also, the number of earns given back already, succeed, already exceed 
the recorded number of deaths by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, there, there are many indicators like these. Hmm. Uh, again, we're talking with Joshua Phillip, and uh, the Epoch Times dot uh, com is uh, where you can read his stuff. Now, let's talk about this documentary. Um, and I, I'm looking at it right now on my screen, so it's available. If people go to ntd.com, you can go through there and track it down. First of all, tell me about um, how you you know this is you know you're usually writing. Um, you know this documentary is kind of uh, um, you know important and, and new. Uh, tell me how you got there and how you put it together, and and a little, tell our folks a little bit about it. So the documentary started off with a pretty simple issue, which is that us, like just about everyone else, I'm sure we've all been bombarded with every narrative under the sun. And sometimes even the same news outlets are telling us conflicting information. And, we, you know, of course, governments are seen as lying. The WHO, which everyone, you know, some of us thought was maybe credible, turns out they're just repeating what the Chinese Communist Party says, and a lot of that's not accurate. And so there's a, right. there's a gap in terms of what we can trust with information. And, I, you know, people are on, they're locked in their homes. A lot of them, people don't have work. And when something affects your life to this extent, I think people want to know what the heck is going on. And so the idea with this documentary was to dig into the different paths of information to try to figure out what is the origin of this and start there. And so we, of course, look into all the major claims. Did it come from the Huanan seafood market? Well, our documentary shows pretty pretty credibly that that is very much not the case. Did it come right. from this laboratory? Our documentary shows that very likely it did, based on the different uh, based on the different channels of evidence we found, including the fact, notably, that there were at least three different whistleblowers who came out of the laboratory and said, tried telling the world using their real names that the virus came from this laboratory and it was because of uh, gaps in security measures. And it appears now that that is, uh, after, after we published this video, uh, there were several reports that came out that corroborated those findings. And, of course, we look into the idea, was it man-made or was it natural? Personally, I think it might have been a natural virus, but we, don't, we, we also include the idea that they were, in, they were making synthetic viruses, chimeric viruses at that laboratory. And was it right. tied to biowarfare programs or vaccine research? Um, you know, we, we, we don't shy away from any of these different paths to, to see what it might have been. At the end of all this, and and uh, and in the documentary, there's a whole bunch of uh, of guests in there, you know, that are interesting and experts, and some Americans and some uh, international. At the end of all that um, uh, time, looking at all this, do you? What's your um, What's your real sense? I, I mean, it, it, and 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 by that by that I mean, how much of 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 the international uh, inf, in, in infection and uh, kind of in, inflicting this on us was intentional? It may be that it was it leaked and it was a problem, and they realized it was a problem, but then they they let it rip, right? That is what happened. So this this is my current theory based on the information I've seen, and of course I'm willing to be proven wrong. But based on the information right. I've seen, this is what I think happened. I believe that it came from this laboratory, this T4 laboratory in Wuhan. Uh, the amount of security issues they had there, I think more than enough would justify that's at least plausible. Very, very plausible, right? The most likely piece we have so far. Right. Uh, I think it was an accidental leak based on the fact that this is completely wrecking the Chinese economy and happened at the worst possible time for them. Personally, I'm right. not sure if the Chinese Communist Party is going to survive this one. Uh, it's also wrecking their international image. At the same time, right. I think when it did get out, the Chinese Communist Party intentionally allowed it to spread internationally. 
notably when they locked down Wuhan because they had assessed and they knew this was spreading since at least uh, Jan- since at least uh, November, uh, we believe. Uh, they locked right. down Wuhan, but they still allowed international flights. And so people could not travel to other parts of China, but they were allowed to fly out of China to other countries. And so it is possible that uh, this might have been an accidental leak. It might have been a natural virus, but the Chinese Communist Party still used it to its own advantage and allowed it to spread internationally. And of course, this is a common, you know, classic communist tactic. You set fires around in order to de- in order to deflect attention from your own mistakes. This is one of the things they just do. It's uh, and I think that's that's it's, it's more persuasive because it's you saying it, not me. Because I think uh, all, all your, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just finish by saying this. This is a really good documentary. It's a, it's about 55 minutes long. I, I I've watched it. I told you, and I've gone back through it to see some of the quotes. So uh, Joshua Phillip, thank you for coming on with us, especially and for doing this. And I especially appreciate your analysis there at the end of what you think is happening. The the epochtimes.com is a place to go see his writings, Joshua Phillip, as well as other great uh, reporters. Thanks again. Joshua, I appreciate it very much. It's a real pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Okay. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Thank you. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Really, really happy to have my friend, my old friend, Roger Stone, on with us today. Uh, you know, I've been, uh, I was been telling you listeners for a long time, uh, I guess probably in 2015, maybe. I don't, before that, I'd only read about him. You know, I was like anybody else in politics. And then we struck up this phone friendship, and a few times we've been together. But uh, I've been watching what's happening, and as you all, my listeners know, have been disgusted by uh, oh, so much of it. And uh, reminder, it's stonedefensefund.com 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 you know one of the things that these uh, people do as they try to destroy uh, lives is they just drag them through the law, legal system and it costs a fortune so if you have a chance uh, as we've said before stonedefensefund.com but first of all welcome Roger to the program how are you great to be here Ed. I'm very excited well, thanks. And before we get going into talking about any of these uh, bastards that have uh, tried to make uh, destroy America and take down the president, let me ask you about to my old mentor, Phyllis Schlafly. Now, Phyllis Schlafly, this this uh, series over on FX, which, uh, you know, p- folks are talking a little bit about, but you were an observer. And by the way, you make an appearance, I'm told. I haven't seen the whole series, but in the last episode, in uh, the ninth hour of this nine-hour miniseries, uh, Roger Stone, as a, an operative or as a campaign guy for Reagan, makes an appearance of some kind with Phyllis Schlafly so who knows probably to- more even more fictional in the sense that whatever they're de- depicting but we'll see about that in a few weeks but Phyllis Schlafly on in in your span of uh of politics you know from before Nixon but from Nixon on to Trump what was what's your opinion of Phyllis Schlafly and her work well, well first of all the first time I ever saw Phyllis Schlafly was at the 1964 Republican National Convention in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, I was oh, really? twelve years old. I was only twelve <clears throat> years old, uh, and I just I remember how every hair was in place. She was like a, she was like a tornado. She was like a force of nature. Uh, and of course, I spent a good part of that campaign uh, pushing her book, uh, "A Choice, Not an Echo," which was making making the argument that the Republican Party, instead of 
nominating a clone of the Democrats like Nelson Rockefeller or Tom Dewey or Wendell Wilkie or all these other liberal Republicans that we needed to offer, uh, like the British system, we needed to offer the voters a conservative alternative. So uh, Phyllis and I both came out of the Goldwater movement. That was my first political enthusiasm. The first time I worked for her, worked with her, was at the 68 convention, uh, where she was doing some pretty fancy footwork because she was both close to Governor Ronald Reagan uh, and to former Vice President Richard Nixon. Now, this has been erased from the history books, but the truth is Reagan did make a last-minute at-the-convention bid for the 68 convention. Uh, which was very divisive because many of the major conservatives of the day, Bill Buckley, John Tower, Barry Goldwater, Strom Thurmond, uh, Carl Curtis, were already committed uh, to Nixon. Uh, And Phil's played a key role, I think, in smoothing all of that over once the party uh, chose uh, Nixon and Nixon selected a running mate acceptable to the conservatives. So uh, she she could also be, she could be a diplomat when she needed to be, because everyone trusted Phyllis. Everybody knew her word was good. Uh, You know, she, I I hate to see the hatchet job. I know they're going to do on her, but if I were forced to name the, you know, the two or three greatest women I have ever met in my life, she would definitely be on the list. Huh. The uh, one thing about that, you know, is uh, in the in the early, I think they're going to depict at the end of this series something about the White House uh, under Reagan because they finish with that period and they they make it look like the White House uh, that Reagan didn't want Phyllis in his cabinet, which is fiction. Except there did experience, and you, you know this is better than I do about all. Uh, there was a there was a split in the Reagan White House between the conservatives and the and the Bushies that came in, just like there's been in the in the Trump White House, just like in every administration. There's the the, the power uh, in the these presidencies is so big. And and on the Republican side, there's always a fight between the, the clean fingernail set, the establishment and the conservatives and the Democrats. I don't know what they fight over, but but they make that. And, and you know, uh, Roger, your observation of the Trump administration, you know, you well, let me know. Let me finish because I don't want to forget this. Phyllis was early for Trump. How does that you know, you were you knew Trump for decades. How as a candidate, though, how did Phyllis being for Trump change the equation? Well, that was vital because uh, Donald Trump was a New Yorker uh, and his politics had definitely changed over the years. Uh, There was once a time where he was pro-choice. Today, he is strongly pro-life. There was once a day that he supported uh, same-sex marriage. He opposes it now. I mean, I think there's been an evolution in his thinking. Uh, and a lot of conservatives, a lot of hardline conservatives really doubted in 2015, particularly that Donald Trump was a reliable conservative. So having people like Phyllis vouch for him and say, no, I've listened to him. I know where he stands. He is one of us. And of course, we now know that he's he's actually cut more regulations than Ronald Reagan. <laughs> uh, he got he's yeah. got more of the of the Heritage Foundation agenda done than the great Ronald Reagan done. He turned out to be the most conservative president of our lifetime. Uh, and that's saying a lot because Reagan had two great terms. So Phyllis Flashley's credibility was absolutely crucial among party conservatives early on when 
people like me were out trying to convince people that Donald Trump was a reliable conservative. And he is. Look at his Supreme Court uh, appointments, for example. Look at the way, with the help of Larry Kudlow, uh, the president has turbocharged this economy only to be taken down by this virus. But mark my words, he will bring the economy back bigger, stronger and more prosperous than ever before. We're talking with Roger Stone, and, and again, it's a, a stonedefensefund.com to support Roger as he uh, rebuilds uh, all, all the cost of having to fight off these uh, folks in this uh, in the deep state and everything else. Uh, on for a second, Roger, we're talking about Phyllis Schlafly now. Um, you say you mentioned it. I mean, we go through a list, and from Phyllis Schlafly's perspective in mind, whether it's pro-life judges, not just a deregulation, the America first mentality where, you know, we're going to put our people over the rest of the world. We love the rest of the world, but we're going to put our people first, and that whole mindset that he change for us but roger as much as you feel comfortable talking about about how how um you know the the swamp is so darn deep and so powerful and it's not just the the sort of uh uh the kind of um uh, deep state stuff that went on it's just the general swamp you know they nobody's noticing they put a 2.2 trillion dollar bill together to help the coronavirus at least a, a trillion was just dog meat you know spread out all over the the swamp and all how do you feel today roger about the prospects of of of, of trump being able to you know really drain the swamp and succeed and, and get through this? Well, I think what we saw in the early days of the Trump administration was reflection of the fact that although he is a great leader, he is not a politician and he never will be, nor does he want to be. He's a political figure, but not a politician. So it's not like you had Lyndon Johnson, who'd been vice president for three years, or and then before that, a majority leader of the Senate, or Richard Nixon, who had been vice president for eight years, who had studied government up close, who came from the system, understood the system, could tell you the 20 most powerful appointments in the federal government off the back of their hand, understood the culture of government and what you had to do to get a hold of it. Trump came to Washington with a great reform agenda. I also think, in all honesty, and there's no reason why he shouldn't have thought this, Donald Trump thought the country would do what it's always done after a presidential election and pull together behind the new president. I didn't like Barack Obama, but I was not out demanding that he be impeached. I thought Republicans were stupid to try to impeach Bill Clinton on the grounds they did try to impeach him on. Sex with an intern in the Oval Office, uh, while I think that's embarrassing uh, and inappropriate, it doesn't rise to the level of a high crime and misdemeanor. That was an enormous mistake. Uh, and by the way, we paid for it in the off-year elections, as you recall. Yeah. So, yep. so yep. I really think that, that, that the, the president presumed good faith on the part of the Democrats, but more importantly, on, on behalf of the, uh, the permanent political establishment, the two-party duopoly that has run the country for 30 years, And the neocons who dominate both parties were just not going to leave power that easily. Uh, And they Mm -hmm. left themselves embedded deeply in the new administration. So you have people in the national security apparatus who do not support the president's non-interventionist instincts when it comes to foreign war, for example. One of the greatest things Donald Trump has done is said, look, we're going to get home from Afghanistan. We're going to get home from Iraq. We're going to get home from Syria. 
We're spending billions there. We need to spend it here in the United States. We have things we need to fix. And he stuck to that. And every time he has tried to remove more troops, the deep state, the military-industrial complex, as Dwight Eisenhower called them, always come up with reasons why we cannot do so. Mm-hmm. The idea that Fiona, We're talking Hill, with Ro- who, in, who, who indisputably did work for George Soros, was working in the Trump White House, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Roger Stone and and we uh, again, Roger Stone Legal Defense Fund. It's at StoneDefenseFund.com. Roger, one more question. You've watched a million rodeos. You've seen uh, you've been in a bunch of them yourself in presidential races. What's 2020 look like to you? I mean, I I, you know, you you got Biden out there who's in like a hostage in his basement right now. And uh, and of course, the president's dealing with this virus. Which how do you feel 2020 where it's headed? Well, it's it's actually impossible to know because you have a set of circumstances that we've never seen in politics before. We don't know what right. the geographic dislocation is going to look like in November because of this virus. This idea that you can move to a national mail-in ballot is incorrect because 12 states, state constitutions specifically require a voter to show up at the polls to vote. There's no time to amend those constitutions. 35 states require some form of ID. You can't require ID to vote in a mail ballot program. So uh, I don't know if we're going to have a patchwork of different systems in different states, but I think we both know that mail-in ballots are an open invitation for fraud. That's about Mm -hmm. as clear as as it, it can get. Uh, something that the Democratic machines in the cities have always been good at. Uh, We also clearly have a situation in which the president's strongest suit for re-election, a roaring economy, a record economy, uh, has been destroyed by this virus, uh, which is why every day counts in terms of getting back to where we were. Nobody can blame Trump for the destruction of this uh, of the economy. He deserves credit for building the greatest economic comeback in American history. But now we have unemployment, you know, at depression levels, whereas just a few weeks ago we had the lowest unemployment uh, in history among African-Americans, among Hispanics, among women and so on. So uh, it will not be a cakewalk. It will not be a landslide. It will not be easy. Uh, I think it will be very hard fought for two reasons, three reasons. One, the mainstream media will continue to dissemble and lie about Trump and his record and his campaign. They will magnify every minor misstep, while at the same time they will not report on any of Joe Biden's foibles. I mean, this guy puts the damn in dementia. Uh, (laughs) They will, the, the, uh, the Internet censorship of conservatives on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, uh, on the Internet, in the search engines. This is a very real problem because it is only because uh, the mainstream media in 2016 lost their stranglehold on the political narrative in the country with the rise of a robust, vigorous alternative media based in the Internet. That was the platform from which Donald Trump could counterattack those who were smearing him in the mainstream media. You take that amplifier away, you take that uh, that uh, uh, megaphone away, and I think it will hurt the president very badly. But the 
Silicon Valley big tech companies uh, are not in Trump's corner, and we should not think that they are. And then you have yeah, voter fraud. It, those those things yeah. all add up to a to a to a very tough election that I think the president will win because Biden is such a flawed candidate and Trump is such a natural. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, Roger Stone, as always, it's great to talk to you and great to uh, to hear your voice. And StoneDefenseFund.com, we, we're not just rooting for you. We are uh, telling everybody it's time to, you know, uh, liberate Roger Stone is what I said. Not that you need liberation, but that we need to we need a pardon. We need to get move on. And uh, and this witch hunt and all this stuff needs to stop. So hang in there. And anytime you want to talk, come on our show and, and we'll visit again soon. Thanks for coming on, Roger. Well, from your mouth to God's ear. Many thanks, Ed. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Roger. Talk to you soon. All the best. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Democrats' dangerous game of baselessly impeaching President Trump backfired on them like Wiley e. Coyote chasing the roadrunner. Even though the Democrats knew from the very beginning they would never get the votes to actually remove Trump from office, they hoped that weaponizing the constitutional process would at least weaken him. In reality, Democrats' pitiful attempt did the exact opposite. President Trump gained political strength from his acquittal in the Senate just in time to boost his campaign for re-election. Some politicians would have declared victory and celebrated by taking an extended vacation to celebrate his good fortune. That's not what President Trump did. Trump's first act was to remove the deep state bureaucrats who started it all, including the insubordinate Ukrainian-born Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. Trump rightly called Vindman very insubordinate for going outside the chain of command on foreign policy. If you were one of the three people who wasted time watching the impeachment proceedings, you saw this insubordination firsthand. Trump also removed Colonel Vindman's identical twin brother from his powerful position on the National Security Council. Then Trump recalled Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. Removing these politicians isn't about political revenge. It's about draining the swamp. That's what Trump promised he would do. He has to use his authority as chief of the executive branch to remove the deep state wherever he can. If agents of the deep state make it easy on Trump by actively campaigning to impeach him, that just makes it easier to root them out. Those firings were a no-brainer, but Trump didn't stop there. Top Trump officials are rolling out a series of actions to combat the growing problem of sanctuary policies by Democrat-ruled states, counties, and cities which try to shelter illegal aliens from deportation by federal authorities. On top of this, Trump is building his legacy as the most pro-life president in American history. He's negotiating favorable trade deals, fighting for our economy, and leading on the Wuhan coronavirus fight. Trump has always been a man who thrives most in the face of adversity, and the Democrats have no idea what their impeachment hoax unleashed. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome back. Sorry about that, folks. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Went long with Roger Stone. What can I say when Roger Stone, after a long, long time, he's on a gag order for years now from his uh, suit, so he finally could talk, and I couldn't cut him off, and I wouldn't cut him off. So uh, thank you for listening. Be reminded, be reminded, the Pro-America Report, you get as a podcast wherever you go, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, and you can find that uh, and uh, catch up there. So thank you for tuning in. Let me follow up. I mentioned during the wink today, I don't want to let it slip, so I'll do a very quickly very interesting exchange over the weekend you talk about swamped up pelosi uh nancy pelosi interviewed by chris wallace on fox news and basically she's confronted by the fact that in the midst of the spread of the virus she went to chinatown in san francisco and said hey everybody just hang out come out here and see everybody don't be afraid no nothing there's no problem and now that she's attacking president trump saying he should have done something earlier chris wallace said what were you doing? Weren't you taking it too lightly? And she said, oh, I was there to try to make the Chinese Americans not feel bad that some people were calling it a Chinese virus. Huh? I mean, just they just lie. They just come around and lie. So but watch this week. We'll talk about it more in the coming days. Up here in the swamp, they are going to try to pass a, an effort to put some more money into small business and the individuals because a lot of that money was already spent. It ran it out so fast. And they're fighting over that. And, of course, they're going to put in more dog meat and uh, pork for their own special interests. It'll make you crazy. But hopefully we can help the people. So we'll see. We'll get more on that. So thank you for listening. As always, thank you to Noah, our fearless, fearless technical director who takes care of everything, and for Joanna for helping out of St. Louis. And we will be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then.